How many make New Year's resolutions? Are you embarrassed to admit it? No. <laughs> I tend to be a resolution guy, um, although um, I kind of have this opinion that even two months of doing the right thing is better than 12 not doing it. So I don't uh, worry too much if I don't hang on to it. Um, that said, this time of year has always been very important to me, are really significant. significant. Um, I remember after um, college, I had spent almost five years wrestling with whether God existed or not. And this is while I'm preparing for ministry, but you can imagine how conflicted a person is in that situation. And uh, I remember, uh, this is my first year away from home uh, completely, and uh, I was working a job where it was just nonstop, and had, I was continuing a devotional life, and one day I, I just knelt to pray, and it was like heaven opened up. And that went on for weeks and weeks, and Never again were the questions the same. You know, it was like it had settled in my heart that this was real. I was fully in. And, uh, you know, there, there are always challenges, but from that point on, it was just different. And so that was very wonderful. Um, in 43 years ago, on New Year's Eve... Uh, I had brought my fiance home to meet the family, and um, then I was ordained New Year's Eve night. So that was kind of cool, you know. Um, then 20 years ago this week was our first week here. So those are those are things we celebrate, you know, and rejoice in. Um, that said, some months ago, um, I had begun to, again, say, okay, Lord, what, what to do? What next? You know, what do you want? And I really began to feel like the church, in, in my opinion, about every 20 years needs to rebrand or re-identify what it's doing, kind of just reset and the realization was, that wasn't for me to do this time around. And so, uh, you know, I started to pray into that. Uh, we went out to a conference in Reading where Hannah was. It's a privilege for me to have my kids with us today. Um, both, <laughs> and this is an important day for me to be able to express these things with their hearing. But um, to... At that conference, I guess what I was wrestling with two issues. I wanted to, when is it appropriate for me to step down as lead pastor? When is it, uh, should I be building a house on a land that we've owned for a number of years? And uh, I felt like when we went to that conference, in the very first session, there was a guy sharing a vision regarding their church that he'd had of, where it was like a, a rocket ship had taken off, but you only get so high, and then the boosters release. 
and it's time for the next rockets to take over. And I felt like the Lord was speaking that to my heart. You know, and I thought, I don't, he's going, I don't know what that means for our church. I'm going, well, I know what it means for me. <laughs> You'll have to deal with your own issues. But I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart in that. And so that was, uh, that was a, you know, from that point on, I've just started going. And truthfully, I think God's brought Benny into our midst. In a, none of us really saw it coming the way that it is, but it just, it seems like this is a thing of the Lord. And, uh, you know, that's, what an honor that he would bless us that way, you know. And so the working out the details, I, we'll, we'll figure that out, you know, I, I know that, like, some churches, they assign the pastors. Some churches, they, they bring guys in like a beauty show, you know, <laughs> and you vote. Uh, we'll figure it out, you know. God's with us, and we'll have to find our own way of, of settling that. But um, I'm just walking through. The guys had asked me to share some of the history connected with our church, and so... Um, I want to share a little bit how I got here, but also how um, how the church has developed through the years. Um, when when the church oh where did I start here? This church uh, began roughly in the '30s, and um, it. It kind of came about as a result of a healing of a person, a young boy out in Carl's End. Um, a man named Alexander Dowie had um, come to the Lord. Uh, he was born in 1847, so long before this group, long before that. Um, his family moved to Australia. He ended up... Uh, feeling a call to ministry, got training back in his home country of Scotland, went back to Australia, had a fairly dynamic ministry there and also in New Zealand, um, came to the United States um, near the turn of the century, I think it was uh, in the 1880, late 1880s, came to the U.S. and uh, was on the West Coast and developed some groups, moved to the area of Chicago um, mid 1890s or late 1880s, excuse me, again, um, I'm getting my dates a little bit messy, but he had started uh, in Evanston, Illinois after a while and then went to Chicago uh, about 1897 or 1895. He developed some healing houses. His personal experience had been that while he was in Australia, he had many, many sick people in his congregation and he was just frustrated. He prayed for months and months. Said, God, something, something's wrong here. Something has to change. And God gave him a, an insight one day. And immediately, as he's chewing on this and acknowledging that God wants to heal, he has a knock on the door. Two guys say, you've got to come quick. Uh, Mary's dying. And it was a little girl. And... Uh, he runs to the house. He says, I didn't even get my hat on, which in those days would have been important to have a hat in public, I guess. But got to the house, um, 
has a conflict with the doctor, and the doctor's, you know, and it's sad, and you go, no, this child's supposed to live, and, and the child got healed. And from that point on, a, a number of others began to get healed as well. Well, that was a mark on his ministry when he got to, this is a long story, but it's getting here eventually. <laughs> Trust me on this one. I wonder, but I'll eventually get there. In Chicago, again, many, many people responded to him. This was about the time of the World's Fair in Chicago. He's across the street having these campaigns. At one time, he rented a coliseum in Chicago, which would seat 12,500 people, and he was filling it. And he was starting these healing homes all over the city. And people, uh, the aldermen in the city were irate that he would call himself a healer or a doctor. And so they took him to court many times. And eventually, they threw the case out when he had people bring in the crutches and wheelchairs and all the rest of the people that had gotten healed. And they just said, you can't deny this. And so uh, that started... The city of Zion, Illinois, you know, if you're familiar with a little bit north, they bought some land. And there were some things that eventually caused that ministry to kind of just fall in disrepute, but there were powerful things taking place. And there was a group that went off to South Africa. John G. Lake was a part of that. You've probably heard that name. Um, Kevin McElhaney who pastors Crossbridge, his grandfather was over those churches in South Africa. So there's, there's some incredible ties connected with this. But that said, somebody up in this region, in the, like the Green Bay area, brought that message of healing. And one of the families from Carl's End was down there and received that. And then this little boy, Eldon Carlson, who I met his wife when I first got here. She was uh, 89 years old, was the organ player. <laughs> Tough as nails girl. <laughs> but uh, um, he had died just uh, like a year or two before, but he was healed. His withered arm was healed. And that, out of that, a group developed that just said, we've got to pursue these things and chase this. Good News, which became North Iron, also was a part of that group, or those have the same roots. So uh, this church um, initially, um, when they first began to develop, bought a mobile home that was down Presque Isle a ways. And uh, they had a pastor come in named Aaron Peterson, who was a carpenter pastor, and he pastored for many years. After, a, after he retired, he went and helped my home church put up a building for about 250 people, and, and he oversaw the, the construction of that. I was in junior high. I worked by his side every day, which is incredible, you know, these connectors. 
um, I was making a list of pastors that had been associated with this church, um, 10 previous to me. I have contact with all of them, or had contact. So I was aware of the church, even though I wasn't, had never been to it. And uh, a shoestring relative of mine, a man that had been adopted by one of my aunts, pastored here for eight or nine years, he got cancer, and he went back to Nebraska, his home area, to die, basically. And when I was on vacation, I went to visit my folks in Nebraska and ended up talking with this guy. And they had written me a nice letter saying, would you be interested in pastoring? And I wrote a, a nice, polite letter back saying, no way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And it just kind of dismissed it. And um, I prayed for the church through that summer, I remember. It was about a two-year period when Gordy was here um, interning. But I remember praying for the church, but really having no true interest in ever seeing it or being here. Um, I, had, I had tried out for a youth pastorate here in about 1981 and uh, got X'd out on a power play. And I was just, it was February. That's not the time to bring somebody in here anyway, right? <laughs> You know, so I'd seen all the snow, and 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 Sharon and I just left the fine. We don't ever need to see that place again, you know. And 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 yet God brought me back to essentially reset the thing, in some ways, clean house. And uh, that said, I was I was familiar with different things. I, I knew the history of the church, um, and then. One, one Saturday, I used to call my mother every week, and she said, have you thought any more about our cat? <laughs> no, and it's like, why would you buy, you know, why would you meddle in my life that way? You know, and it's, it's that wasn't her habit. And so I just, can you believe what mom said? You know? And then Sunday, I had a, uh, during the worship time, I had a vision of the church of the UP as a dark region with flames in each town, and uh, that was very strange to me. I don't have many things like that, and uh, I had um, I, I told Char about it. And it you know, it's so strange to me because when we're worshiping. I'm either participating in that or I'm thinking about the sermon, but really nothing else gets in the way. I just, I'm dialed in as, a, as who I am, you know? And to have, for me to be thinking about some other place during that was really weird. And so um, I, I just, you know, well, that's strange. The next day I took kids up to youth camp and the church... Gordy Wells called her, are you sure you're not supposed to be here? Well, he had called Char, and uh, these are pre-cell phone days. Not that it would make any difference to me now, but uh, <laughs> um, Char got a hold of me, and, uh, or I'd called her, I had uh, some free time during the day, and, and she said, you better at least pray about this. 
good to have a godly wife, you know. <laughs> well, that makes sense. So I, I went out in the, there was a field there, and I went out, and I said, God, I'm willing, if you're willing to speak to me this way, opened up my Bible, plunged in my finger. I don't recommend that, but that's what I did. Um, Judges 18, 9 and 10. They answered, come on, let's attack them. We have seen that the land is very good. Aren't you going to do something? Don't hesitate to go there and take it over. When you get there, you'll find an unsuspecting people in a spacious land that God has put into your hands, a land that lacks nothing whatever. You can't get much more specific than that. And I started crying. I thought, this is impossible. I love the church I was in. And so I wasn't looking to leave. And uh, I got, well, God, I'll make one phone call. And I, it was just, uh, this is impossible. It's 1230. I thought maybe they're out, they'll be out to lunch, you know. I called, and, and I remember the guy answering the phone. And I said, well, I guess I'm interested in your stuff. And I hung up. I didn't know what to do. You know, it was just, it was too messed up. And uh, over the next couple months, uh, we came up here. It, the church is everything we thought it was, um, which we didn't care for uh, at that point. And, and, uh, and yet, God, God kept doing things. And I was, in the interview process, I was pretty brutal with people. I'm just going, this is what needs to change. This is, this is not healthy. This is, you know, and I just, I didn't have anything to lose. I thought I was just going to shake them up and go home. You know, <laughs> that was, I can do that. And so, um, nevertheless, they ended up calling us. And, uh, and Char had her own encounter with the Lord, just saying, this is the right thing. And, when we, when we came back to these verses later, you know, the first part had stood out to us that uh, aren't you going to do something, you know? But the other part was it's an unsuspecting people. And truthfully, they had run over a number of pastors previously, and they didn't, they didn't know who I was. And I came here with a mindset I'd rather get tossed out doing what I believe in than to just bide my time. It's just not who I am. And so the first few years are pretty fracturous. And thankfully, there'd been a group here that had been praying, uh, Nancy and Kurt and Bill and Pat, and, and some, there were a half dozen families that just were anchored in the Lord and in Cassins. They'd been praying for a reset, so to speak. And so we linked arms with them. Sure, um, and I had to, to discover later that it is a good land that lacks nothing whatever. You know, we, we had the mindset it was the end of the world. You know, and, and so it was like, oh, we'll go endure. You know, <laughs> and instead it became a, a wonderful place for us. But we didn't see that coming. We, we just did not anticipate that. And so um, that said, um, you know, we, we came and, and God was gracious to us. He, he did some wonderful things for us. Uh, about six weeks into it, a, 
a, a group, significant group, got together on a Saturday night trying to figure out if they could have a recall. Uh, you know, basically saying, we're not happy with where this is going. And uh, lo and behold, that, that Sunday, the next day, was a powerful, powerful day. People got saved and healed and called into ministry. And we didn't have another Sunday like that for years. But it kind of broke the back of opposition in that moment. And there were several things that took place, you know, ahead. You know, Ed Bordeaux was really the first person that just tied into, and we spent hours and hours together, you know, and it was just a, it was a wonderful thing in the Lord. You know, our hearts were knit together, and you know the effect Charlie's had on this congregation and, and different ones, and Rumens came in about a couple years later. You know, it just, God did some, some precious things, but all that said is like, it's time for us to seek the Lord and allow him to work new again. You know, and you, you have these powerful things. And, and truthfully, I'm still processing trying to figure out what's next. You know, in some ways, you don't feel done. You don't feel like, like I just, I can't envision myself just stopping. But it'll look significantly different. You know, and so in talking with the elders, the plan at this point is to um, work to June. And then Shar and I will probably disappear for a few months, letting people kind of figure things out on their own, so to speak. But this is our family, and so we anticipate being here after that. But it's just, you know, that's uh, where it appears things are headed. So um, the, the joy of this is that, you know, we've had our family grow up here. We have had relationship with all of you. And, you know, there's that awareness that God has done very precious things for all of us together. I don't anticipate that stopping. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's time for other drivers, so to speak. And that's uh, what I see taking place. Um, years ago, the Lord gave Shar and I a verse, uh, and in Isaiah 58, there's a question about what true fasting is, and then later on, um, there's, a, there's a declaration, and the Lord says, you must actively help the hungry, feed the oppressed, then your light will dispel the darkness, and your darkness will be transformed to noonday. The Lord will continually lead you. He will feed you even in parched regions. He'll give you renewed strength, and you will be like a well-watered garden, a spring that continually produces water. So he's, he's saying if you'll apply yourself to the things that are important, there will be a fruitfulness about your lives. And then this particular verse is something that Shar and I embraced as kind of a life verse long before we got here. But it's, it reads this way, your perpetual ruins will be rebuilt. You'll reestablish the ancient foundations. You'll be called the one who repairs broken walls. <laughs> yeah. 
years ago, the boys, boys, the men had a vision that uh, I would be crying at some point. And they all thought that was hilarious. Even made T-shirts, pastor puddles. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then they all had that experience. <laughs> the final part of that is uh, the one who repairs broken walls, the one who makes streets inhabitable again. And uh, that's been somewhat of a mark on our lives uh, to the places we've gone into, mainly to repair, rebuild, reestablish again. And uh, that's been our privilege. Um, I did find a, a verse in Isaiah recently that um, I see a lot of you as my kids, right? And that's the reality. We've kind of just, just grown up together, but... Um, this verse I cling to for my family and for you as well. All your children will be followers of the Lord, and your children will enjoy great prosperity, or some of the translations say peace. It's that idea of shalom. It's, it's bigger than peace. It's, there's a well-being associated with it. And I thought, you know, that's a good prayer to pray into families, right? And just say... That's what I want. Uh, I want that for here. I want that for my own nuclear family. Whoever I look at and go, it's good enough. I'll stick to that. Um, so all of that said, um, we're going to have some changes ahead, aren't we? But God, in his faithfulness, is going to reveal himself in new ways as well. And that's, that's a wonderful thing to to trust him for. So, um, obviously, there's going to be a number of questions, and in days ahead, we'll look to address those and, and keep at it. But it's just uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for us as a church to weld together, to recognize that if we truly want God's work, we're going to have to pray into this and, uh, and listen for his voice, Right? You don't get to do spiritual life without spirit input. And so we're just going to keep pursuing him and uh, anticipate good things in days ahead. So that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in your presence, to enjoy you forevermore. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you.